When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Man City Show. It's Nigel Rothband back in the chair. And with no City game to review since our last show, we've got an opportunity to put our foot on the ball, take stock and review the season so far. And to consider also what's to come. Who better to discuss all of that and much more than Lisa Rabinovitz, John Stapleton and Paul Denby. But they can't make it. So I welcome instead of you from a blue, Stephen Allwise. Thanks, Nigel. David Blakeney. Thanks, Nigel. <laughs> and Nick Goldstone. Hi, Nigel. Listen, uh, can we do a bit of an early half-term report? I know we've only had eight league games or a handful of cup games. Let's kind of have a bit of a half-term report. You're sitting there as the school teacher writing a report for Manchester City Football Club, looking back on those games, the season so far, where we sit in the league. Uh, what would you be saying, David? What would you be writing to your pupils? Disappointing, is my thoughts. We've thrown away probably both games that we lost. We've sort of thrown away a little bit. We've just not been up for it in both games. Been a bit naive, been a bit slack. Um, If you lose to a Liverpool, you understand. But the two games we've lost, I think, uh, are just... I don't know whether it's... What the reason is they've, they've slackened off in those games, or but it's certainly disappointing. Uh, Nick, disappointing. Could do better. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's a little bit disappointing uh, compared to what we normally expect these days. Uh, I think we've lacked a little bit of spark. Um, it's all been a bit too obvious and expected and one-paced for me. Um, There seems to have been something of a um, a failure of some of our players to remember that actually, even though we rely on a great team performance week in, week out, some of them have actually got to have some outstanding performances every so often. And we'll come back to individual players if we can, because I think that's important. But it's kind of looking for that general picture. We're kind of, you know, disappointing, could do better, lacking spark. Stephen, anything to add no, in terms of this report you're writing? That feels about right, really. Um, the, the, one of the issues is we're constantly comparing ourselves or being compared to Liverpool. So the fact that they've started with eight wins from eight and we're eight points behind means that whether or not we're playing well or playing badly, there's that gap between us. And I think we all know we can do better and and we shouldn't have been losing to the likes of of Wolves at home or or Norwich away. Um, But, you know, in another season you might go 16 points from eight games with some big wins, lots of goals in there that might be doing okay. But because of the situation with Liverpool, it, it just feels like we're lagging behind. 
So, so before we come back on to the players and, and, and talking in a bit more detail about what has worked, and I think Pep as well, I think we should probably just have a little chat about him and maybe his performance. Uh, clearly has high standards and he's fallen a bit short this year so far at least. In terms of Liverpool, what is it about them? What have we got to do to, to catch them? I think we'll catch them if we play like we have done over the last couple of years. They, um, they've started perfectly in terms of results, not necessarily performances. They've had more slices of luck like they seem to almost every week last season. Um, they're going to have a dip. They haven't got the strength and depth that, that we do. Um, and given the amount of injuries that we've had to cope with, if they had even half that number, I think they'd be struggling as well to, to keep winning games. But they have done. And you know, I think we have to be patient and not feel as if we're in the situation of having to win every single game just to, to keep up with them because it just invites more pressure on ourselves. If we relax and play the type of football which we have done for the last couple of years under Pep, I think we'll catch them because they will have their drop. Yeah, I, I, I don't really I have to say I don't really mind that we haven't won every game. I don't mind that we're not top and that you know we might not win the league this season. It's painful when you think who else might win it, but I don't mind. You know, it's actually kind of relaxing in a way to not. Be you're, imp- you're, impli- you're implying Nick, that, that you're saying the league's over already. Is that what you're saying? That, that Liverpool have won the league? We've played eight games. No, I mean I, personally, I think that uh, Liverpool are very strong favourites. Um, even before the Wolves game, I th- I thought that from the way that we've been playing this season and the various other aspects of it, particularly the almost impossible streak of luck that uh, Liverpool are on in lots of different ways. Um, but so as I said, I don't. I, it, 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 it's it's kind of a you know a week and a half down the line from the game and time to reflect properly. The 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 immediate rage has has pretty much gone. Um, but what I what I did think was a bit disappointing with the Wolves game was that you know we probably shouldn't have gone after um, the game as we did towards the end when we could have. You know, maybe the long game uh, approach to that was: look, Wolves had a very good game; they played well. We were a little bit underperforming. Take a point. That was the more sensible approach over the course of a season, and that didn't seem to be the approach that was taken on the pitch uh, by any means. I thought we went for broke a bit, and we got absolutely done on the break a couple of times I mean that's not Pep's way we just quick John just comment on that quickly and then come back on yeah. to the Liverpool question so just want to just pick up on what Nick said would you say that's right would you expect Pep at home against Wolves to play for a point no, I, don't I don't think he should I think he should go to win the problem is we only tend to win when we score first and on the rare occasion we don't we seem to lose we we're not very good at coming from behind without a doubt I mean let, let's just look at facts if we don't, if we lose to Palace on Saturday, we will be after nine games behind Palace in the league. <laughs> they will go above us after nine games. Are you also saying then that the league's over now, David? As well, or are you saying let's focus well, on the Champions League, I, FA Cup, everything? I, I, league's I gone. Liverpool's I, league. Congratulations. I, I said at the beginning, I think Liverpool will win it this year. I still think they will. But the problem is we don't look strong enough. We are weak. We have got too many ailments at the back there. And, and for some reason, we, we don't look as strong. When you watch Liverpool play, they are solid and we're not. 
So just again, just to finish the point on Liverpool, I don't want to spend the whole yeah. time on them. Doesn't they? They're above us. They've, as Stephen rightly said, they're eight out of eight. Uh, there's, there's got to be something going on, right? Yet yeah, they've had their, their luck, as we've discussed. What else have you seen in Liverpool? What is it about them that that people are talking about? Sort of the Championship, sorry, the Premier League is is nailed on. What is it about them you've seen that you admire? Well, I think they're just more solid, and I think they're the the wing backs or the full backs have just got the edge over ours at the moment. And that's an area we've got. We are very weak on the left still and probably on the right. And that's costing us as well. So let's pick up on some of the individuals then. So no, no game to review. So we've got a bit of time this week, which is nice to be able to sort of reflect a bit more on some of the individuals. So who for you has overperformed then? Is there anybody you can think of in the City squad who this season, could you pick out one or two players who have actually overperformed? I'm sure we'll, when we come on to the underperformers, yeah. it'll be quite a longer debate. But in terms of overperformance, who, who can you pick out for us? I think Sterling and De Bruyne. Have probably overperformed. I think they've looked good. I mean, Sterling's come off a little bit last couple of games, but in general, De Bruyne's been fantastic. So we've had De Bruyne back, but it's not helping at the moment. Aguero's looked sharp as well. Aguero's looked quite o- good. Often he takes a bit of time at the start of a season to find his feet, but he's looked sharp. Rodri, I think, has made a reasonable start. I don't think he's the, the issue. Um, I think Rodri's made a good start, actually. Yeah, if you think of, I think he's done all right. If you think of some of the other players we've talked with, that we've got, you, you think yeah. of Bernardo Silva, David Silva, particularly those two, I don't know why they come to mind, but the time it took them to find their yeah. feet in the Premier League, I think he's hit the deck running. Yes, he's, yeah. he's had a poor half. I think everybody played bad against Wolves. But I think Rodri's looked pretty decent, hasn't he, Nick? Yeah, yeah. he has, and he's, we talked about this before. I mean, he's, he's looked an absolutely natural fit in that team from the very first game. And it's quite interesting that he was put straight in because most of the time with new players, Pep tends to um, very gradually bring them into the team, but not not in his case. Cancelo, a case in point, I suppose, isn't it? Sort of mm-hmm. came in the same same mm-hmm. time and, and yet he's he's started to sort of find his place now, but, but taken a while. But that, that's often the case. And I think it's probably more to do with adapting to Pep's way of playing. Yeah. Look at someone like Bernardo, who we know is a quality player. Took half a season, basically, of being on the bench, getting 20 minutes here and there. Mares last season took a long time to not adapt to the Premier League, but adapt to the way in which Pep's style says, you must be in this position at this moment in time. And you these... These must be your movements. Sane took a long time. Rodri's the one who's been thrown in. And at times I think we've missed Fernandinho's like, steel and just sense of stopping an attack, whether legally or otherwise. Rodri's look solid. He, I think he's got the basics of a very good holding midfielder. He himself has come out in interviews and said he's learning the role on the job and when to press and when to stick back. But he's, he's looked okay. I, I think there's been times when... The midfield three of, of Rodri, Gundogan and David Silva looks slow and leggy and a bit predictable at times, but I think that's probably more of an issue outside of Rodri. Anybody else before we move on to the underperformers? Anybody well, else? Mar- Mares until the last game, has been really good. He's, he's much improved. Um, and Gundogan... He's sort of hit and miss, Gundogan, I think. I mean, sometimes he's... Has your son not told you how to pronounce him yet? How many years have you been pronouncing his name wrong? Can you go home tonight from this show, sit down with your son and say, listen, son, how do you pronounce Gundogan? Yeah, and he'll sort you out. So he's next told time, me about twenty times. I know he has, and you've still wrong. not got it right. I know. I'll get it right one day. You will. Never good at languages. 
I think the problem with Gundogan is that he's neither one thing nor the other. He's not a he's he's not the linchpin that sits in front of the defence and is the defensive midfielder. Nor is he the primary attacking midfielder. He's the in between bits and pieces, <laughs> and he suffers for that. I think um, not least because he's of he's often not brilliant at either one or the other. Uh, but he probably gets more bad press than than most of the other members of the squad. I would say he certainly does. Sh- should we talk about some of the underperformers then, Stephen? Who, who do you want to be a long list potentially? Who who's disappointed you most? Because let's just be clear: this time last season, you know, we we started similar to the way Liverpool did. You know, we just had a fantastic start. We were firing on all cylinders, as you said, scoring goals, and it's not been like that. So there's got to be a number of people who come to mind. It's an odd one because we have been scoring goals um, and the Wolves game I think was the only one this season we've just looked completely lacking in ideas and creativity and, and Wolves defended very well as they're a good team and they had men back and, and pace in, on the counter. Outside of that we've been attacking quite well and scored lots of goals without picking on one person the defence obviously looks vulnerable at the moment and I think that's a combination of neither right back hitting the ground running. Walker, I think, has been struggling, they say, with some stomach infection and has been battling through and playing on. Cancelo, very happy going forward. I'm not sure he's a natural defender. Left-back, we've seen Mendy and Zinchenko and Angelino and for half a game, Cancelo, and no one's quite nailed that down. Centre-back, we know we've got injury issues and got a bit of a makeshift centre-back pairing at the minute. But I think... Given that, plus the absence of Fernandinho in that holding role, which he's done for so long now, we just, teams don't fear us, or or at least they believe they can get at us. And as soon as they've got that energy and and the belief that they can attack, and they're not just going to be penned in their own half for 90 minutes, it, it gives them more freedom. David, there'll be, there'll be fans of other clubs if they listen to this, and certainly they will accuse City of, and, and maybe us talking about, sort of the, the, the fact that we've you know, had injuries and so on. We've spent tens of millions of pounds to bring that sort of back four together, if you like, and Cancelo and, and all these other guys. Uh, a lot of money has been spent, and we're, and we're saying you know, we're, we're lacking resources back there. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a tough one to swallow. It's a difficult one to argue, isn't it? It is, but for some reason, we just don't seem to buy well on defenders. I, 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 we get all the other positions right and world-class players, but if you look at Liverpool, they are far better at the back than we are in their players, and they've spent nowhere near the amount of money we have. Are, we are, we are, are poor at the back. Devil's Africa, are they that much better? Yeah. Van Dijk's brilliant. Fine. I think Gomez is a great player. I think Trent... Is a fantastic player. I think they are, and Andy Robinson's good. I think they're a very good team at the back. But they don't concede significantly less goals than we do over. Yeah, but they're more solid. The they season. are still solid. Look, they don't open s- up. S- sorry, go on, David. Sorry. They don't. They don't look as open as we do. I mean, you know, every time we watch people attack us now, you're holding your breath, waiting for something to happen. Yeah, I think I. I'm not, I don't totally disagree with you, but I do think there's an element of bias when you're watching your own team. You always think the other team are going to score against you and you look more open than when you're watching other teams play and it, it, you know, it doesn't necessarily look, it look the same way. Um, but, uh, Nigel, I think you're right. You know, we, other teams will say, well, you know, what, what you're moaning about. 
and and that's why to some extent i have to say that you know you've got to accept that you can't the greatest teams ever don't win every single game every year year in year out week in week out it just can't happen so you're going to go through some bad patches um and we've had a bit of one uh but there i but if if we want to be really critical objectively about how we're we're playing you know there are things we can be doing better and there's a spark that needs to come that hasn't been there for a for a short while what does that mean this is the second time you've mentioned this spark help me understand a little bit of what you mean by that what what, what's missing nick what what does that mean a spark well just repeating what i said earlier I, I, I think when it comes to some to a game like the Wolves game, which is a very tight one, it's quite frustrating. They're defending well. They've got ten men behind the ball. Um, not a lot is coming off um, for the team. Then you look around and you think, well, one of these star players of ours has got to do something spectacular and extraordinary to change the outcome of this game. Um, and it didn't happen. Um, and... That is, uh, that's what you need week in, week out to get that, results when you're playing well. But that's what David Silva used to do, and he's not, I'm not doing it. And Bernard Silva is obviously slightly not quite with it at the moment. That's why the argument is maybe one or two of the youngsters need to get in. They might provide it. Mm. But Bernardo's the odd one because, you know, we effectively played all last season without De Bruyne or, or never at starting and, and fully firing. Bernardo was in mid, in the centre of midfield, that attacking role every game, and was player of the season. And when he's played this year, I can't think off the top of my head how often he's been in midfield, but it seems like he's had a couple of games on the left wing, a couple on the right, where he's played for us before. But Pep seems to have gone for Gundogan in the middle, and that might be because he, he has played that deeper role and can maybe help Rodri out a bit more. But I think... Bernardo, at his best in that attacking central midfield role, is as good as anyone in the league. And when you're missing him and David Silva's had a couple of weaker games, we just look a bit flat in that area, which, to David's point, is is why so many people are saying, oh, give Foden a chance. Why is Pep not playing Foden? And you can understand he's gone for experienced internationals first, and that's one of the challenges for any kid coming through at City. But... You were just watching the Wolves game and thinking it's crying out for just an energy and someone to run at yeah, a defender and commit a spot, them. Yeah, sure. Uh, before we get on to the kids, because I think that's a, a natural um, next sort of issue to discuss. Any anybody else who needs special mention? And I, and I hate criticising players. I'm not talking about criticising players. I'm just trying to analyse where we are and what's gone on and maybe who's maybe not quite performed at the level that we're used to enjoying at City. Any other players you want to pick out? You get a great. Stephen gave us a great assessment of the back four and, and Gundogan. Any, anybody sort of from a midfield or going forward? Anybody else who you've been disappointed with, Nick, particularly? Well, not necessarily disappointed, but I think it is maybe a little bit illustrative that although I wouldn't say he's been poor, Edison, he has had more than one little blip, um, which for one reason or another hasn't probably cost us anything yet. But there are some little signs there that the concentration has just gone off a bit um, and maybe that's just reflective of the team as a whole. I think that's reflective. He hasn't got the solidness in front of him, probably. 
hindsight's a wonderful thing, and I'm just going to throw this one thing on the table before we get to the kids, and that is when company went back to Anderlecht, um, people were saying, you know, you need to strengthen. Uh, and we said, we'll be fine. You know, we've got Otamendi and Laporte and Stones, and we'll be absolutely... And we've got some cover if they get injured. You know, Fernandini could play back there. Even Walker could play there, or Cancelo. You know, we've got dozens of options. Hindsight is a wonderful thing. Looking back, was that an error? Or, in or... hindsight, yes, <laughs> because you're asking the question for a reason. At the time, we'd have said, you know, you can cope without your experienced centre-backs here and there. No one expected Laporte to then go and get crocked and you don't know when he's going to be back, but it's a long-term injury compounded by Stones, who's your other first choice probably at the time, missing key run of games. Otamendi's... Otamendi is okay. When he's bad, he's awful and he makes really poor mistakes that everyone latches onto. A lot of the time, I think he's, he's a good defender for us. He understands what he has to do. He enjoys the physical battle. But him partnering Fernandinho with Rodri having a couple of off games in midfield and the fullbacks either side of them not settling means we do look really vulnerable. So, of course, in hindsight, you think we, we've lost out by not replacing company. But what, it's really hard. Do you go out and spend £60 million for another fourth-choice centre-back? It's, it's hard, to, hard to know. Well, I think they were right not to overpay for Maguire. But there must be other central defenders out in Europe who should be good enough. At the end of the day, it's obvious. If you see the difference that Van Dijk's made at Liverpool, then how good he is. We need an amazing defender there. And I I don't even think... We all thought we need someone there. Nick, we were clearly in the market. As David said, we went for Maguire. I think we'd all agree around this table we did absolutely the right thing. We we, We had our price. We weren't going to go over the top. But it's left a gap, hasn't it? A big gap. Um, yeah, it has. Clearly, with Laporte injured, it definitely has. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's, those are the breaks, I can would just, say. Can you just say one thing? Pep has always said you need two people in every position, and we haven't got two people in every position at the back. So his philosophy, he's gone against his own philosophy. What about the kids? Yeah. Let's talk kids. Yeah. Who's, uh, who do you want to start with? I mean, everybody talks about Foden. Everybody says he could be in the England side. If he went somewhere else, he could have a regular England spot playing every week. What's he doing? Warming the bench? I think and, he's doing and, the right thing, but he's got to give him more game time. When it's an obvious thing, looking at no spark, you've got to give him a chance. He's got energy. He's played brilliantly for the under-21s for England. He's been their best player every game. And you mentioned David is maybe not having no, the season he's, he's had. He seems a bit off the so pace. So why doesn't he give him more time and gradually ease out David? Yeah, straight swap. David Silver's... I mean, it's quite odd because David Silver's hair is probably having the best season he's, it's had for City. He's had some help, to be All fair. The, it's, it's cost tens of thousands yeah, of pounds, to be I, I fair. Mean, well, he's spent a lot of money and he's getting the returns on it. Uh, <laughs> you an accountant? Just as, oh, yeah, sure, just yeah. as Dave himself is starting to drop off slightly, maybe. Actually, I think generally he's not had a bad start to the season at all, but maybe he's had one or two games where he's been a little bit flat. But his hair has been superb. Um, Phil Foden is the, is the obvious... Uh, the, be- the less he plays, the better he gets. Um, <laughs> everyone's going to talk him up to the moon uh, until he starts to play a few games and all of a sudden isn't... Uh, winning the World Cup every week, uh, and then he's not the greatest player in the world. Um, 
he will clearly get his chance. Um, he is not going to change the world. He, I think he is undoubtedly the best young player we've had at City for at least one generation, if not more. Um, and as far as I know, all, uh, he is the by far and away um, the strongest uh, candidate of the youngsters that we've got and really the only realistic option to go straight into the first team and and play some games. But I don't think he's going to suddenly change the course of a, of a season. So it's interesting, we had two very different views here, I think. I'm, I'm getting the impression that Nick thinks he's maybe slightly overrated. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Nick, forgive me, but, but, but David saying he should be replacing David Silver and playing more games. Where do you sit? Well, it's a hard one because we've not actually seen that much of him to have that opinion. You go by what everyone in the game says, you listen to any pundit, any commentator, how good he is, how talented, natural ball player, how he'll fit into our system. And we've seen that in cameo appearances we've also seen him start games and I'm thinking the Leicester game at the end of last season when company scored that goal Foden started and was just a passenger the game completely passed him by Spurs a couple of games before that he scored the goal after three four minutes Mm -hmm. don't think he touched the ball after that Mm -hmm. so yes he's got ability yes it's also too early to throw him in too often into the first team but I also think we'll be looking back in three four five years and all of these commentators who are saying he needs to leave City to progress his career or Pep's handling him badly, they're going to be made to look foolish, really, really foolish, because he will play for City and he will become more prominent as the years go on. And, of course, from a fan's perspective, when you see him as a boyhood City fan who loves the club and we're missing De Bruyne and Bernardo's being shifted around and David Silva's not at his best... Of course you think, well, now is the time to give Foden a chance. Um, I don't think he's helped at times the fact that this year does feel quite stop-start and we've already had a couple of international breaks. We've got, I think, seven more games before the next international break. But those seven games are across three different competitions. But for the first time, actually, now we're playing a couple of games a week and we've got midweek games and the squad will become more stretched. I think if we look back at Christmas over the last couple of months, we'll say that was the time that Foden started to be given a chance and and maybe, we hope, stamp his authority on the team. And I don't think he's overrated. I think he's brilliant. I think that he's being built up by the media so that they can then uh, knock him down. And I suspect that amongst uh, the sort of outer reaches of of our fan base uh, who like to overreact either one way or another, it's the same thing. They're clamouring for him to be playing. And, and when he does and he doesn't set the world on fire, there'll be people who will be, the first, who'll be, who'll be lining up to um, criticise him. Look, I, I, I would be more than happy for him to be in the team. I think he would be a, a just as good as uh, many of the other players that he would be replacing. But they just, you talked about young players. I know we've only talked about one. The problem is, can't talk about the rest. We've not seen them, have we? So it's, it's a bit hard, isn't it? Well, I've got it? two written down. What? The two centre... Yeah. And, and yeah. But we've not seen them at the 17 Har- Har- and 18 Harwood Bellis is the other one uh, I was thinking of. the 18 of. and 17. He's played a couple of pre-season games, yeah. Harwood Bellis and... One game against Preston in the cup. Garcia, you'd say, is ahead of him. Yeah. He's a year older. We've seen him a few more times around the squad. 
But again, if you were to, to say, and I think he looks really good, he looks composed on the ball, probably grown up at Barcelona playing the style that Pep wants, you'd be throwing him into the team ahead of either Otamendi, who has his faults but has just captained Argentina in the uh, international break, and Fernandinho, who we read has been training every training session to become a centre-back and is that fourth-choice option this season. And if you think, oh, let's throw him in against Crystal Palace... Like Palace away, you know, he's not big. They could easily play Benteke, who'd win every ball and, and out-muscle him. You've got Zaha's pace, Townsend's tricky. I think Pep's doing the right thing, especially with Garcia and playing him in the cup games where there's less pressure, less focus. But yeah, to throw him into the league just because we've you know, shipped a couple of silly goals, it's risky. Add anything about the other youngsters? I, don't, I think Dave is right. I think it's only those two we could really talk about, as well as Foden, isn't there? Really? I can't think of any others who are even in the frame. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't think those two are, are really uh, ready for anything other than um, dead rubber Champions League group games, etc. Um, but uh, I would like to see them play. I would like to see Foden play more over the course of the season. But it is a long season, it's a long game to play. It's not about the result next week or the week after. It is about Phil Foden staying at the club and being probably, hopefully, maybe the captain of the club in a few years' time um, and uh, the linchpin of the s- squad for another 10 years. You mentioned captains. Uh, I've been asked, uh, put, put it out there on Twitter in terms of any questions anybody's got, wanted me to raise with you guys. And uh, our friend Arthur, uh, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, uh, is very keen for me to press you on this captaincy issue. I did raise it. I mean, he didn't think I got uh, enough of an answer from the guests I had on that week. So I kind of talked about this issue. I think Silva's been given the captain, but also we've got kind of De Bruyne and Fernandinho is kind of in the frame as well. It's kind of not quite the captain that company was. And, and the question really is, do, does David Silva have the personality, the presence, the stature? Uh, and is that maybe an issue as well? We, talk, we talked a lot when company was captain of leadership, both on and off the field, and he certainly gave us that. And are, are we missing that? Is that another? Is that maybe a bit of the spark that, that we've been talking about that Nick's raised here today? Thoughts on captaincy and whether Silva, legend, let's not forget this, the statue will be there, we know, outside the Etihad of David Silva one day. But is he really captain material? Not in the traditional sense of what we think a captain to be. It- Pep put it open to the squad and, and it feels like Silva was a vote for continuity and not upsetting your most senior player. But the role of a captain is so, so vastly overplayed. In other sports like cricket, where they're having to make decisions constantly, fine. Excuse football, me, are you, are, you captain football, of your, are you captain of your cricket club, Steve? For my sins. <laughs> football, whether or not De Bruyne is the captain he will lead by example. Whether or not Fernandinho's got the captain's armband, he'll be more vocal than David Silva. You don't need David Silva to be to change his personality as an individual to start thumping tables and but you having need, a go. But you at, need leadership. And that's what, that's what I'm... Squad. It's not just on the pitch, it's off no. the pitch. I you think need, that squad has some... You need someone in the dressing room as well as on the pitch to give... Yeah, the, the evidence, the proof is company showed by being a great leader the difference it made. He helped us get through the end of the season because he was such a leader. We miss that presence, yeah. but I don't think singling out Silver because he's not that same authoritative voice is, is the right thing to do. 
Sure. But, but, well, I think that, that to some extent, with company having been at the club for so long and having been the captain for so long, that um, I suspect that the rest of the players naturally deferred to him for so long that it's actually quite difficult for any of them to step up to a leadership role now. Uh, I don't think we've got someone who is very clearly and obviously that kind of character um, now that company's gone. Um, but we don't quite know what goes on in the dressing room and on, on the training ground, day in, day out. Sure. Um, I mean, I don't remember. I could be wrong. But even when we had that documentary a couple of years ago uh, with supposedly, you know, inside the dressing room, fly on the wall type stuff, I don't remember seeing anybody, even company, frankly, really sort of leading their charge and banging his chest and doing all that sort of stuff. Um, so I don't know is the answer. And I th- I'm with Stephen really more that it's less important than people make it out to be. Well, maybe you can let us know on Twitter what you think. It's at uh, City Podcast. Before we go to the break, uh, I did say as part of this half term report we should do pep as well so before we go into that break let's just have your views on on if you were giving pep is it a sort of a, a b plus a, a, um, a, 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 a c minus where, where where is he david i'd say you, an a minus an a minus yeah. as good as that well he's normally an a or an a plus so okay. an a minus is a slight deviation from there just i think i would have hoped he would have maybe shown a bit more um creativity in, in the way he changed the team when we weren't playing well but he allowed the Wolves game to go on, how we lost the Knights game I don't know, I just think he's not reacting maybe quick enough sometimes like he normally would He's given him an A, Nick I can see you shuffling in your seat there Well I you can... can take the mick out of me now Nigel I'm going to say in the nicest possible way what, what does Pep actually do at the moment, you know he's got a way of playing, he's got a, a group of players who is pretty much the same as it's been for the last couple of years and they've won virtually everything there is to win in that time he doesn't go by what's the result he goes by did you did you play well did you do what i told you to do did you play how we how we've trained to play and you know if you've done that then you know forget the result we might have won we might have lost whatever um we did you know we played great pet ball even if we didn't win the match um so you know what how much is he changing how much is he reacting to different teams, uh, different opposition? Did he change anything for the Wolves game compared to the, the Norwich game? What did he do? So uh, give, it, give him a mark then. So we've got a, I'll give him a B. You're just a B, straight B. Okay. B. Finally, before the break, Stephen. B plus. We'll be back very soon, straight after this. Welcome back. So David's left us. Uh, he's off. To, I think he's off to Abu Dhabi again uh, for yet another trip. I'm sure he'll uh, tell us all about that when he returns, looking orange. So let's talk about the next few games coming up. Then, uh, so how do you see the, the the run? I think you mentioned we've got plenty of games coming up now. Lots of competitions. Uh, yeah. Your thoughts going forward, Stephen? I think the international break that's just gone came at a good time for us. Allowed us to get the almost to linger on the Wolves' defeat, which I don't think is a bad thing because it makes people just think more about what we've done, but also gave us a couple of weeks to get players over injuries. And we've seen that De Bruyne and Stones and Aguero are back training. So to have them available and um, can only help us. 
Palace away is is a tough game to start. A run of, I think I said it's seven games, four in the league, um, or maybe five in the league. But you know, we should be winning, or obviously aiming to win them. We should be winning four, and then we've got Liverpool, which is is suddenly a huge game at, just before the next international break, and then Chelsea just after that. So. I think Pep will view this as seven matches. Let's go and win them all. And st- we may well still be behind Liverpool in terms of points after those seven games, but at least just try and get some confidence into the squad and, and momentum again, because we know when we get that momentum, we can go on really lengthy winning runs. But we've got this, dis- not just the disruption of the international break, but this disruption of almost these players coming back as well, haven't we, of course? And I, do you see that as disruption as well? It's a good it- disruption. But you say it is disruption, but you say it's a positive thing. When you're getting Stones back to strengthen that centre-back pairing, when you're getting De Bruyne back, when Aguero's over any niggles, that, that can only be a positive. This Palace game's a big game, isn't it, Nick? This, this is a, is it a must-win? They're it's, all must-wins. They're all must-wins, or, or maybe not. Who knows? It comes down as much to what the op- our... The other teams in the title race do as what as what we do because frankly if things don't go our way over the next month and a half or so then the title race really could be well and truly over um by the time we get to the next uh international break um i think that most fans rightly or wrongly would like to see things changed up a little bit for the palace game given how uh the wolves game went um you know, so what are our options? It's nice if we've got De Bruyne coming back for a start. Um, there's scope for maybe Jesus to uh, feature. Um, it w- I think it might be quite nice to see Bernardo starting. Um, it's a tough game at Palace. It's always uh, a difficult place to go. And they are just the sort of team, and they've proved it recently, who can... Um, do something against us because they've got some real talent and pace up front. So, you know, give them a chance or two that they might just manage to take on the day uh, and it's up for grabs. I think one of the other benefits of the international break is someone like Bernardo and other players who've maybe just been on the fringes of of our squad this year or, or not maybe in the first team as much as they'd like. Bernardo's played a couple of games, scored, got an assist. Sterling's looked a lot sharper for England the last couple of matches than he did for City. Otamendi's gone away and, and got mistakes out of his system. Zinchenko's had a couple of games for Ukraine as well. So, But also you've had the likes of David Silva not playing and um, Kyle Walker having a couple of weeks off as well and Aguero with maybe a small niggle or not. So the squad should be competitive again. Everyone should be itching to get onto that pitch. So I think we'll see a sharper City. Every year we say Palace away is a tough game. And away from home, the last three, four years, we've done pretty well, considering. Last year was a really good performance. Um, Won that game and and Jesus came off the bench late on to score. I think he might start. I think he's played for Brazil. He, He probably needs to be given a chance now. I, I think we'll be okay. Knowing actually how well Palace have started is probably going to kick us on to another tier because we know we need to play well to get anything from the game. It's really interesting. We've talked about the injuries. We've talked about De Bruyne coming back. We've talked about Laporte and, 
as you've rightly said, we don't know when he's going to be. He's going to obviously be a longer layoff than most others. Uh, we've talked about Stones coming back. We have, there's one person we've got through a whole show and haven't talked about Nick, uh, Nicholas. We haven't talked about Benjamin Mendy at all. Um, and that's kind of... I wonder why that is. Is that because we don't see him featuring? Is that because he's gone down the pecking order? Is that, you know, sort of sick note Mendy? What, what is going on? And do you have views on him and, and his return and what an impact he could have? Because he was, you know, when, when he first came in, and we've had the conversation many times before, looks superb going forward. Defensively, he's maybe not quite as strong. We've said the same about Cancelo, but, but we've not mentioned him today at all. But Just he's so th- volatile. I mean, he managed to he managed to get taken off at half time in a game that we won eight nil, and he was he was dreadful <laughs> in a, in a game that we absolutely murdered the opposition. He was absolutely dreadful. So uh, there's that. <laughs> um, he played a couple of weeks ago and actually looked quite good going forward, and he was cross- He was putting some good crosses in. So that's a positive. And then he's injured. And actually, I can't even remember whether he's injured or not anymore, quite frankly. I think he is. When he plays, he adds a, uh, an element and a dimension to our team that Zinchenko doesn't and doesn't try to be that player. Um, gets forward, puts his crosses in. I think when he plays, he gives us so many more options because you're not reliant on maybe a Sterling who's nominally left wing. If Mendy's bombing on outside him, Sterling can drift in into more central areas and, and run at defenders and, and cause problems. Um, but it's really hard to trust Mendy's fitness. The the latest one was that he missed the Wolves game with a hamstring niggle and, and was out for a, for a week or so, having played a couple of games. And I think when he's fit, he's our first choice left back. Um, Zinchenko seems to have done a delf and just gone drifting down the pecking order we're not going to see Angelino in a meaningful fixture. Um, Cancelo is a right-back who was just doing a job for, for a game. I thought Cancelo had a great first half against Wolves at left-back, going forward. I thought he didn't... No defending because he didn't need to. Going forward, I thought him and Sterling down the left was clearly our best avenue. Um, yeah, well, I think Walker was staying deep to watch the counter-attack, so maybe gave Cancelo more freedom. He's got no left foot so I don't think he's a viable longer-term option at left-back. Um, but I think it's indicative of him just enjoying going forward and he's got seems to have a few skills in his locker. You made the point earlier, Stephen, that we've got a number of competitions now before. So we've got the League Cup against Southampton, we've got the Champions League against Atalanta a couple of times, and then all the league games coming up. I think we've mentioned Palace, we've got Villa, Southampton in the league. Um, and then, of course we get to the uh, fixture that everybody will be waiting for, maybe. Uh, the, I think it's the 10th of November against Liverpool at home. What position do you think we will be in? Let's have a bit of a crystal ball, bit of crystal ball gazing here. So beginning of November, 10th of November, City-Liverpool at the Etihad. What sort of situation do you think we could, will be looking at, Nick, by the time we get to that fixture? Is it well, league out the way, done and dusted, it's definitely Liverpool's, us closing the gap. What do you think? Well, I think that if we were only five points behind going into that game, it would be a huge result for us, um, clearly, because we would have probably won all our games up till that point and Liverpool would have dropped some points one way or another. Um, I have to say, at this point in time, I would be surprised if that was the case. 
Uh, I know I'm being a bit pessimistic, but I do think it's more likely that they will be at least eight points ahead, Liverpool, when we go into that game. Stephen? If you look at the three Premier League games we've got before we play Liverpool, we've got Palace away, we've got Villa and we've got Southampton. We should win all of those three. Throw in a League Cup and a couple of Champions League games against Atalanta who are in pot four, haven't taken a point so far. You know, it's not being overly optimistic or ambitious to say we could be going in to that Liverpool game with six wins from the last six games. Players may be back in form, that puts more pressure on Liverpool. But the reality is we've got no idea what situation we're going to be in until we play them. I, I don't think the league's over or people should be too down. We've had eight games. There's a long, long way to go. And we, I don't think away at Liverpool we should be worried about trying to, to pinch it. To Nick's point before about we should have maybe settled for a point against Wolves. Personally, I disagree with that. Away at Anfield, absolutely. If that's nil-nil, one-all with ten minutes to go, you take that point. Sure. Um, if we can win that though it it just starts to, to make them more nervous as you say a long way to go but not much longer to go this week on the show it's a huge huge joy and a pleasure to welcome my three guests to the Abu Dhabi bound David Blakeney to Nick Goldstone and to Stephen Allwise this is Nigel Rothband saying thanks for listening and we'll talk to you all very soon this is a Playback Media production. To listen to all our football podcasts, visit playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.